The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. You're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network with your hosts, Matt Copper, Dustin Maruka, and Snowy White. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruka. Hey, bros, what's going on? Winter has finally arrived in Winnipeg, Manitoba. <laughs> they warned us about this. AEW tried to warn us about it. They said yes. <laughs> and tomorrow we're getting way more fucking snow. Oh, oh Jesus. 25 <laughs> centimeters. Oh, uh, it finally it finally arrived. And I was thinking the other day, when you have these climates, okay, that don't have a lot of snow, that don't have a winter. And all that winter is never coming. Okay, mm-hmm. how do you get into the Christmas spirit? Well, I think it just depends. Like I know, like in Florida, in, in the summertime in Florida, it's just outrageously hot. But in the winter time, it's like it's still hot, but not as hot. So right. to Floridians, I guess that might be like yeah. When it starts to cool down just a little bit, it's Christmas time. Oh no, it's plus 15 I Let me wear my parka, I'm cold Fuck off no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, when it's up in the 90s And the 100s in, in Florida That's when it's really, that's when it's summertime But when it's in the 70s, that's when That's when it's wintertime, you know <laughs> Yeah mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. there's a lot of the warmer Climates that probably really don't even Acknowledge Christmas because I think it's basically I think it's mostly a it started off as a as a Christian tradition I guess uh, pagan I think and then Christian yeah Catholic. yeah but I guess I guess over the years everything that paganism kind of you know Christianity kind of took all the good stuff from that you no, know no. it's kind of twisted their own little ways and things to it but I'm I'm just thinking like is Christmas is North America and Europe? Really? Like, is, is, is Christmas a thing, like, in a lot of Asia and Africa? And uh, Apparently it is. Uh, well, it obviously, it's, it's a thing in, like, uh, England and Ireland and uh, right. places like that. Uh, uh, I actually looked this up a couple of years ago. Apparently they do, sell, they do celebrate Christmas in parts of India. Oh, okay. But, I don't. I'm not sure about like Japan or China or mm-hmm. uh, any other Asian parts, but uh, or yeah, I'm assuming they don't celebrate in Africa. But I, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But right, yeah. But that that's just one that stuck out to me was that in parts of India they celebrate Christmas, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. 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 So yeah, no, that's just something that I was thinking about lately, and it did kind of hit me. Okay, like. For our American listeners, okay, that celebrate Christmas and it is a thing in your life, Santa's workshop is in the North Pole. <laughs> that makes Santa and Mrs. Claus Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do wear the red and white, so. Yeah. That's right. That, that's right. That's right. So the next time you're watching Christmas Vacation or Scrooge or some of those older Christmas movies or whatever, or 
or Die Hard or <laughs> and you're feeling Christmassy and all that, remember Santa's Canadian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have to watch Gremlins, by the way. That's my yearly tradition is to watch Gremlins and uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Of course, of course. And Home Alone. Yeah. Definitely. And might I recommend Black Christmas? One of my yes. all-time favorite movies. Whether it's Christmas or just any, just movies in general. Black Christmas, an absolute classic. And if you're into creature features, uh, Krampus is also entertaining. Oh, oh Jesus. Very good, yeah. Uh-huh. They just connect. Spoiler alert for, well, I mean, it wouldn't be a spoiler alert now when this goes up. But they just put Jeff Hardy in a team with Matt Riddle. Oh, the Hardy Bros. <laughs> the hard bros. Yeah. Right. Or or the high bros. You never know. Oh, the yeah. high flyers. Oh, 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 oh God. Okay. It's gonna be one of those <laughs> shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So apart from it being Christmas and all that, and I wanna say, yeah, because just um as we are speaking right now, we are just a couple of days before the Canadian, the big Canadian guy, Santa Claus, makes his round. So we want to say hello and Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope they're having, you know, they are enjoying their holidays. And we uh, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And I got to admit, I'm really looking forward to Turnbuckle Talk later. Talking about the one and only Sting. Oh, Sting! Oh. <laughs> Edit in Tony Schiavone going, it's Sting! <laughs> I think I can do that. No, I can't. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's come full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, when Sting, Sting first showed up in, uh, well, it would, it would have been it's World Championship Wrestling as part of Crockett's promotions, part of the NWA. And I think his first big interview was with Skiavone. Yeah. And now Sting makes his return, you know, more than 30 years later, you know, makes his big his big comeback on AEW. Sure enough, it's Skiavone again. So I have to admit... Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to admit, I really marked out, and I'm getting really excited to talk all things Sting, but before we get there, I know we've had a couple cool events that we might want to give the once over to, including, as we speak, last night, uh, TLC went on in McMahon land, so I guess that's that's your cue, Matt. What's yeah. going on? Well, yeah, uh, to be honest, I thought this pay-per-view was absolutely fantastic. From beginning to end, I was entertained. Uh, I can't honestly say any of the matches were bad. Like, they were all pretty damn good. It wasn't perfect by any means, but I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give any of the matches really a full-fledged thumbs down, or horns down, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, starting, starting off the night, I, we usually don't cover pre-show matches, but I figured this one was worth... Uh, was worth covering just because the talent involved in it alone. Uh, it was a eight man tag team match. 
between Daniel Bryan, Otis, Chad Gable, and Big E against King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn, the Intercontinental Champion. In case you didn't know, he was wearing a t-shirt that said, I am the Intercontinental Champion. Sami Zayn's great. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> but I still don't like the fact that the Intercontinental Champion was relegated to the pre-show, but I'll let that slide. Uh, but anyway... Start off this match, Big E, you can tell, like Big E and Sami Zayn have been kind of building their feud over the past couple of weeks on SmackDown. Big E really wants Sami Zayn, and they're kept separate for most of the match, which I thought was awesome. Good exchange between Gable and Cesaro throughout the match. Daniel Bryan was dominated by the heels for a lot of it, uh, but eventually he gets t- the hot tag with Otis, who just like plows through the heel team. And then the match breaks down into chaos, as these multi-man tag matches tend to do. Uh... And then Cesaro hits a big powerbomb on Chad Gable. Uh, Baron Corbin muscles Otis into a huge-looking spine buster, which I thought was awesome. Chad Gable hit a really awesome-looking deadlift German suplex on Cesaro, which I actually thought was going to go wrong for a second, but then the follow-through came. Everyone starts hitting their finishers. Sami Zayn gets the blind tag in after all the dust is settled to try and steal a quick win, but then Big E... After I think they were in the ring for 40 seconds together, Big E hits his finisher on Sami Zayn and pins him. So <laughs> that that right there is pretty telling that Big E is coming for Sami, and they actually do have Intercontinental title on Christmas Day on on uh, on SmackDown this week. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, is SmackDown live these days? It is, but I don't know if the one on, I hope the one on Christmas Day isn't because I kind of hope that the the, all the wrestlers are going to be able to see what little family they're able to see on that. Day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then again, though, does Vince really give a shit? No, no he never has before. No, I remember Raw was on Christmas Day a couple of years ago, and it was live, like live, live. So yeah, wow. the, the guys didn't get to go home and see their families. Whatever, Vince is the Grinch. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Grinch McMahon, there we are. Grinch McMahon, yeah. <laughs> Grinch McMahon. Not, not, not McManta Claus, it's Grinch McMahon. <laughs> McManta Claus. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, for a free show match, I thought this was actually pretty good. And obviously, it was it was basically just used as a vessel to kind of promote the Big E Sami Zayn match coming up. But, you know, I, I thought it was kind of cool that all these guys got onto the show regardless kind of weird seeing daniel bryan on a pre-show but again strange times <laughs> mm-hmm. but then the show opened proper kind of strangely with the wwe title uh, tlc match at first yeah i thought this was a little bit strange but then i realized we've got two tlc matches for world titles so i kind of kind of like how at uh hell in a cell one kind of had to begin them the show and the other one kind of had to Go on more towards the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I, I thought it kind of made sense because Drew, yeah, Drew McIntyre got the headline the last one, so he gets to open this one. Yeah, yeah, it was a the WWE title match, TLC match for between AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre. Uh, beginning of the right as the bell rings, Drew McIntyre throws his kilt at AJ <laughs> and <laughs> just pisses AJ off. Which I thought was pretty pretty cool. And like leading into the match, they kind of like booked AJ to be kind of this like goofy comedy heel but that's not how he was acting in the match at all he was actually going for drew's leg for most of the match which i thought was really styles-esque just like the little guy going for the bigger guy's legs so he can't climb the ladder 
So I th- yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Uh, Drew Drew first attempts tr- uh, climbing the ladder and is cut off uh, with a chair shot to the leg by Styles. Drew monkey flips AJ onto the ladder at one point, and uh, okay. AJ, starts cl- AJ starts climbing up the ladder, but then gets power bombed off for his troubles. Uh, AJ keeps going for the leg and even puts uh, to, at one point puts a calf crusher on uh, on Drew's leg through the ladder, and even another point through a chair. So when Styles he did it really- through the chair, me and Dad were laughing our ass off because it looked like the tip of the chair was like ramming up Drew's ass. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's a so it's a double whammy, I suppose. So it's a do- So we were laughing. It's like it's like Drew was going, "God damn it, no, AJ, stop, no." <laughs> no, not the chair leg. <laughs> not the chair leg. No, 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 AJ. <laughs> but anyway, like I thought it was like good strategy from AJ to be able to be doing this because yeah, it, it just makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, a wrestler of AJ's experience knows what knows how to how to uh, or strategically work on people's separate limbs in order to win the match. But anyway, uh, AJ hits a phenomenal forearm and begins to climb the ladder. Gets caught by Drew and military pressed through a table on the outside. Drew starts to climb, and then Miz and Morrison come out. Uh, they powerbomb Drew through a table. Uh, John Morrison cashes in money in the bank on behalf of the Miz. And then the, the, the ring announcer announces the match is now a triple threat match <laughs> for the title. Miz begins to climb the ladder. He gets caught by uh, by AJ's uh, bodyguard almost. And then he, <laughs> the way he carries him, though, he like catches him by the shorts and then he carries him like a little baby, <laughs> like cradling him like a little baby, and then just sort of drops him through a table. But then after that, after he puts him through the table, John Morrison comes in with a chair. Uh, hits uh, almost over the back with it, and the chair breaks into several pieces and almost is unaffected. <laughs> Basically, annoyed or inconvenienced at this point. He just turns around, looks at Morrison. Morrison just looks at the broken piece of chair still in his hand, <laughs> drops it, and tries to scramble away. Well, almost like stalks him up the up the ring apron, kind of like Mike Myers or uh, Jason Voorhees <laughs> style. <laughs> while all while John Morrison is tripping over everything that he possibly can on the way up. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, br- back in the ring, Drew and AJ are both back up trying to climb the ladder. Miz sets up another ladder, and then all three men are fighting on uh, on top. Drew falls off, so AJ and Miz keep fighting on the top of the ladder. Drew pushes the ladders over. AJ Goat lands on the outside through a table, uh, and Drew then claymores the Miz, and then Miz rolls on the outside. Drew limps his way up the ladder, grabs the belt, and wins the match. Right. Yeah, this match was a lot for an opening match. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, and that was uh, like 35 minutes. Yeah, it was like 35 or 40, something like that. But uh, this was actually the first time that Drew McIntyre and AJ, I think, have ever competed against each other because uh, AJ had actually left uh, Impact Wrestling just as uh, Drew was coming in. So they kind of missed each other on that one. So it's a. Uh, I know WWE loves their case the first time ever, but I think this was actually a legitimate case of the first time ever. <laughs> like, I'm doing a check right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing a check just in case they did an indie one, and all I see is the match from last night. 
Okay. Yeah. So it was the first time ever against Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles, and it was a winner, I think. I thought this was a fantastic match. Right on, right on, yeah. How about you, Ducky? What would you, did you like it? Yeah, that was for like it sucked that they had that match first. I'm like, of course WWE, since they have like the two belts now, they're gonna be like, oh, we'll put like the the main title on first. It's like, stop fucking doing that. It pisses me off. But it was a very good match. Well, I I just think you can't have two TLC matches back to back because then that would just be. A little exhausting, I think. Pull them under the bank. Have them both at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, that might not be a bad idea. If you have two different... If you have two rings set up, one side, side by side, have two different matches, but have them simultaneous, that actually might not be a bad idea. It's some That would be something different. Yeah, it'd be a you lot know, to pay attention to. It, like, it it would, it definitely would. But hey, like it re reinvent or invent, move forward, get innovative. I think uh, that might not be a bad idea, dude. Who knows? Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe pitch the idea. You put it out there, so maybe let's <laughs> <maybe laughs> put it out into yeah. the real wrestling universe. Yes, maybe AEW will pick it up first. <laughs> I could actually, actually yeah, yeah, I can see that. They don't have two world titles, so we gotta wait until the AEW <laughs> brand splits somewhere down the line. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm not gonna get into it right now, but um, the way things are going in the world of professional wrestling, it might be a matter of time before it gets to that point. Yeah. You know, so dynamite roster on a dark roster. <laughs> I kind of wish now I had seen this match because, okay, Raw is at an all-time low in terms of ratings, but for, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else because I don't watch it because you can't watch everything, but it seems to me like this is the roster that I would enjoy the most with guys like AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre on top and all that, like these are... You know, these these are people that I actually want to see. I just wish I could get excited about the WWF, and I just I just can't. Mm-hmm. I tried tried watching Raw last week. I got all. Of, well, I, okay. <laughs> to, to 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 be honest, though, I didn't fall asleep because of what I saw on TV. It was late. I was watching the replay and all that. Right. But I none none of this was blowing smoke up my skirt. Honestly, you know. I don't know how long I would have lasted. Yeah, last week's Raw was written specifically for Vince McMahon, so I it doesn't come as a surprise that a lot of people hated it. Okay, oh, this is funny shit. Yeah, it's a good shit. <laughs> Fair enough. So what happened next? Uh, next match on the card was Sasha Banks versus Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Okay. Yeah. I forgot women. Carmella could actually wrestle. Oh, yeah, she's good. Surprisingly good. This is going to sound weird. Did she have like a procedure done on her face? Because she looks different. Uh, probably. I don't know. I I I try. We were thinking that when she came out. Even even me and Dad were like, "Did she do something different with her face?" Yeah. Who knows? Either way, because when it zooms in on her face now, she looks like Cher. Hmm. Well, 
I don't know. I've never really cared to pay attention to a lot of those things, but if she did, it's her decision. So, fuck it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And Corey Graves yeah. has to deal with it. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So the bell rings and Carmela immediately goes to the outside uh, to separate the two. And then Sasha eventually gets her back in the ring uh, to start the match properly. Uh, Carmela's, uh, am I pronouncing this word right? Sommelier, her, her champagne guy, uh, who now has, goes by the name of Reginald. He's, okay. yeah, right. he, he catches her as she, uh, as Sasha, uh, bumps her off the apron and helps, uh, helps Mela hit a hurricane Rana, which I don't know how that didn't lead to a disqualification, but, but whatever. I'm not going to ask those questions. It's WWE. <laughs> uh, Banks gets a, a brief comeback until Mella hits a, a super stiff X factor, uh, which I, uh, for those who don't know what an X factor is, it's basically just like a super, it's like a face plant, essentially. Uh, X-Pac used to do the move, but this one in particular is probably the stiffest one I've ever seen where you can actually hear Sasha Banks' skull just like smack right into the mat. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if it was intentional or not. I don't think it was, but either way, it made for a good visual, considering that Sasha Banks was okay at the end of it. I haven't heard any reports of a concussion. Mella hits a super kick. Sasha grabs the ropes because she wasn't able to kick out. Kick out. Then this led to a series of roll-up attempts. Uh, Carmella then locked in her uh, submission move called the Code of Silence, which is basically just like a it's like a figure four head scissor move. If that makes any sense, it looks pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but then Banks reverses that uh, into a pin attempt, uh, tries to lock in her submission move of the bank statement, but then Reginald uh, pulls Carmella out of the ring. Again, did not sure how this led to a, how this didn't lead to a disqualification. But then Sasha Banks hits the uh, Meteora double knees on, on Reginald, taking him out of the match effectively. Carmella hits another super kick for a near fall. Doesn't quite get it. Carmella sets up for another decisive move, but Sasha Banks reverses that into another bank statement, and Carmella taps out. So this is now uh, Sasha Banks' third successful defense, which is, a, well, her first successful defense of a title was a, a new record for her in the first place. But it's true, man. Okay. Never, never, ever successfully defended the Raw Women's Championship. Wow. She's held it. Five times, I think. Okay, so she wins it. She wins it and then loses it. The next very first defense. Yes, that's that's how it's been for for her. But SmackDown Women's Title apparently has turned her luck around. But for how long? Because apparently Vince is fucking pissed that Snoop Dogg's going to show up on AEW in the new year. Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm really surprised that she still had her Snoop Dogg music and that she retained uh, on on this pay per view. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Vince forgot, just yeah, Vince must his have mind. just like, forgot. oh yeah, you're winning. Yeah, okay. yeah that's possible too. That's entirely possible. <laughs> but or anyway. it'll be like the the SmackDown after the AEW that Snoop Dogg's on. She'll just drop the belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah it all depends on what type of uh, media Snoop Dogg gets on. He's gonna you know, get a like, lot. He's yeah, how much attention he brings to AEW? Yeah. If if the if the AEW ratings for that episode beat out last week's episode of Raw, then yes. Oh, they'll just fire Banks. Yeah, they're just yeah. They'll, they'll they'll tar and feather her and then throw her right out the back door. Yeah, the, or not not without uh, burying her on live TV first, though. Right, right. 
You got to make she'll sure to bear the belt. To, she'll lose the belt to a if. Oh fuck! I hate that this might happen. But could you imagine, like, because you remember the rumors of like Eva Marie coming back for a while have been floating around. <laughs> yeah. Sasha, <laughs> the, the SmackDown after AEW. Sasha Banks Open Challenge. Eva Marie beats her in thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Then there's a new tag. Then they would form a new tag team between Carmella and <laughs> and Eva Marie. Yeah. All red, everything. Ugh. I like the color red, but I don't like Eva Marie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Next, yeah. Yeah, next match was uh, the Raw Tag Team titles, The New Day versus uh, Hurt Business members Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Before this match got underway, uh, like they've, these two teams have had an ongoing uh, exchange on Raw for the past couple weeks. Where, uh, But in this one, yeah, they, like, they have, uh, like, Hurt Business has beaten The New Day, but for non-title matches. But uh, before this match, New Day pointed out that they've beaten the New Day, but they haven't beaten Big Match New Day, which <laughs> this is what they've <laughs> yeah, proclaimed this to be. This is for the title. It's on pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view of 2020. But anyway, both teams make their way out. Cedric Alexander eats a kick from Kofi Kingston right off the hop. Uh, Shelton Benjamin was able to help turn around, turn the match around after an early beatdown on Cedric. Shelton Benjamin works over uh, Xavier Woods, Cedric Alexander gets back in the match and they double team Woods for a bit. Woods reverses a spinning or a springboard uh, from Alexander with a drop kick of his own, gets the hot tag to Kofi. Kofi goes for the boom drop, uh, gets caught by Shelton Benjamin in a power bomb position. It looks like they're kind of going for a like a doomsday device type move, but Kofi ends up uh, reversing it uh, into a roll into a roll and then rolls or yeah rolls out of it. Uh, Cedric Alexander back in hits a brain buster for a near fall. Everyone starts hitting their finishers. The match disintegrates into chaos. Okay. Shelton hits a running superplex. Looks like he's gonna finish off Kofi, but then Cedric Alexander gets the blind tag. Comes in, hits the lumbar check on Kofi Kingston for the win, and Hurt Business are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Oh, yeah. This match was. Uh, it was good. I'd give it. I give it a thumbs up. It okay. wasn't. I, I didn't think it was the best that it possibly could have been. Said, <clears throat> like it's. It was pretty damn good. I thought. What do you think, Ducky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was cool that Shelton had a, uh, for Shad Gaspard wristband on under his elbow pad. That was cool. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. That's awesome. And after the match, I think it said they he immediately. He immediately left uh, the paper or the pay per view to go visit uh, Shel- or Shad Gaspard's son. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, so that was uh-huh. that was pretty awesome. Not not very heelish, but first, pretty awesome. yeah. <laughs> Shelton's first championship in seventeen years. Wow! Really? Oh, wow! Yeah. Yeah. But, or, yeah, he was a tag team champion with Charlie Haas, like Charlie a long time Haas, before. The world's greatest tag team. They stayed up all night thinking of that name or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like basically a predecessor to Team Angle from TNA. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah. Then he, I, I know he had a couple of Intercontinental title runs uh, after that as a singles competitor. But yeah, seventeen years. Wow. 
Or no, he's. It was 17 years since his first tag team title. Because he's been the 24. He's been 24 seven champion. So. God. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how did that happen? <laughs> I, I, okay. You know, you you know those fans that show up with the replica titles on their shoulder, and you see them sitting in the audience and all that. Those, those bells, mean, yeah, those mean more to me than that twenty four seven crap. That that's, yeah. If you show up with a with a belt, you should be you should have to defend it. You should have to defend it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You're a twelve year old with a WWE title. It's on the line. Your opponent <laughs> is Braun Strowman. Yeah. If it's one of those deluxe replicas. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to have, or I still do have a couple of those styrofoam replicas lying around somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I do actually have an officially licensed WCW World Heavyweight title belt from 1999. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's small as all hell. <laughs> but <laughs> I have a few laying around down here, too. I just don't remember which ones I have. We're, we're adult men admitting that we own toys on, on air. Or should we be doing this? Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, that's the kayfabe part. No, we yeah. don't. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, kayfabe. Kayfabe. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Hurt Business are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. And, yeah. So, I guess uh, three three quarters of the of Hurt Business are now are now champions because Bobby Lashley was the U S champion. They all celebrated on the, on the ramp after the win. So I guess MVP just has to win the WWE title now. And <laughs> which I don't know. Nah, no. I'm just joking. That ship is sealed. Uh, yeah. I hope so. At least. Yeah. Well, he's a good manager. Can't really picture him as a world champion these days. He saved those guys careers though. Yeah, he did for sure. For sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. This this hurt business is probably given, you know, these guys a fresh start, fresh coat of paint. Mm-hmm. You know, give them something to do, get them a paycheck, put them on the air, what whatever expression you want to use. I've heard nothing but good stuff so far. It's a really yeah. shit name, but yeah, he's helped. He's helped. <laughs> I think uh, Kofi referred to them as the butt hurt business before the match too. Wasn't he like the beatdown crew in TNA? Who was? MVPs had like the same gimmick in TNA too. It was like the beatdown oh, crew yeah. or something. Probably. Yeah, that's kind of ringing a bell. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really watching TNA at that point, so I couldn't tell you. But <laughs> I was. I'm just trying to retain stuff. Like I, I, I can remember. Stuff from the territory days from the mid eighties more than I can like what happened on in any league like last year. You yeah. know, like I, I need a refresher from last year, but you know, I can remember I got a better grip on stuff from eighty five. Like it's <laughs> that's like me with the attitude era stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone has their own favorite eras and that's could be an interesting turnbuckle talk the various different eras over the years for sure for sure yeah anyway right. moving on from this we had another tag team title match it was the women's tag team title match the champions Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending against Asuka and a mystery partner oh yeah back to our big reveals from our last the big episode. reveal oh. so uh yeah the 
Lana was originally scheduled to be her tag team partner, but on last week's episode of Raw, she was taken out in kayfabe with an injury. So who was going to be Asuka's tag team partner for this? And to nobody's surprise at all, it was Charlotte Flair returning after six months. After, oh, was she gotten that long? Wow. Yeah, she, she got some injuries to heal up and... That's not look, fair for Flair. It also, it, <laughs> it also <laughs> looks like she had some work done as well. But <laughs> Okay. Either way, yeah, she so she comes out and like this this actually kind of makes sense uh in Kayfabe seeing as how like also in like in Kayfabe, Nia Jax was the one who put uh Charlotte Flair on the shelf. So this is kind of her coming back wow. on honor. So it, it made sense even like even though it was predictable, I was like I knew Charlotte Flair was coming back soon. I thought they were gonna save it for the Royal Rumble, but this kind of made a little more sense in storyline. No point on saving it for the Rumble if there's going to be no one fucking there. True. So I guess... That's going to be weird. Yeah. The Rumble will. happens with nobody there. That's going to be weird. Oh, come on, man. You got to be stoked for the Rumble on a Thunder That's when we can do a watch-along because there'll be no one in the crowd and they'll just be like, me, you, Snowy Dad. And then we'll just be honest. <laughs> yeah, we could, but the countdown clock's going to be awkward for the Royal Rumble this year. Oh, yeah. us. Uh-huh. One of us will be in the bathroom. Ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's who's going to do the big countdown? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. well, they'll have they'll have programmed crowd noises, but they'll hit the button. Oh God! Yeah, I could just. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this match, women's tag team titles. So, uh, yeah, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending against Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion, and the returning Charlotte Flair. Most of this mass match, uh, Asuka ends up getting beat down by Jackson Baszler. Uh, but then eventually, Asuka lands a back fist and a roundhouse kick on Jackson gets the hot tag Charlotte. Too bad there was nobody there to cheer for it. <laughs> Of course, uh, Charlotte then bulldozes Jax because apparently her stats have all gone up to ten since her <laughs> since she's been away. <laughs> yeah, Jax gets little to no offense until she hits a Samoan drop on Flair. Oscar gets the sneak t- or sneaky tag, drop kicks drop kicks Jax. Flair gets her own sneaky tag. Jax tags in Baszler, uh, and they and then J- uh, Baszler and. Flair kind of try to put each other's submissions on them on each other only to get uh, reversed. Flair then hits her natural selection move on Baszler for the win. New champions. Charlotte Flair's first match in six months. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. That's why I didn't go that much into detail on this because it was more so about her coming back and winning a title her first match rather than it was about the match. The match itself was okay, but it's just the fact that Charlotte comes back, completely bulldozes Nia Jax, who's been built like a monster these past few months on TV, and then wins a championship. <laughs> How much did Daddy pay? Yeah, uh, well, Ric Flair was watching in the back. They they made sure to show that he he looked like he had no idea where he was, but he was still there. <laughs> <laughs> where am I? Yeah, but I guess he's. He's now entered that legendary status where he's allowed to be shown on camera watching TV like a normal person and not angled in such a weird way. 
Uh, wow. Okay. I feel like Charlotte Flair at this point in her career can be used to try and build like upcoming women, but she hasn't really been used in that way at all. But she, but she hasn't beaten Cena's 16 title reigns yet. So that's got to wait. Yeah. And her father's 16 title reigns. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fuck. I forget now. Like <laughs> that, that in itself is a whole other turnbuckle talk as well. Rick Flair's well, actually 20 plus reigns. Well, <laughs> No, we don't talk about those other ones that weren't in WCW or, or WWF. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're only allowed to talk about his reigns in those two companies because those are the only two companies that have ever existed in wrestling. <laughs> That's right. Only the shit I own. <laughs> Anything outside the bubble isn't real. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, like, is it weird? I guess it's not... Like, is it really telling that Charlotte Flair has been back for one match and I'm already sick of her again? (laughs) (laughs) When I saw that photo she posted on Instagram, I was just like, God damn it. Here we go. Oh, like when she actually came back or when or when she was on the plane, when she was on the plane yesterday. Yeah, she could have left that off social media, at least made it a bit of a surprise. But yeah, it would have been like, cool. Charlotte's back. Fuck. Yeah. It would have been more of a surprise if it was Becky that was her partner, I think, being that Becky was the one who essentially awarded Oscar the Raw Women's Championship. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, or, I'm, I'm sure, or even I'm sure if it was Lana or Paige, Paige would have been a surprise. But yeah, I know, like, I'm not expecting Becky to come back immediately after having a kid, but I'm sure that's what the company wants. Mm hmm. She'll be gone like, for like. Well, she'll probably come back at the rumble, maybe. Uh, I'm thinking not. I mean, I know like the company probably wants that, but like their their baby's only going to be like a month old at that point, <laughs> like never like a month and a half. Can't really pass it off to the nannies at that point. I can not see. Yet. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, yeah. they can. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see Rollins coming back in the rumble, but not Becky. Hmm. Anyways. So to cleanse my palate of that, we got, <laughs> we got the the universal title TLC match between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Holy shit! Match of the night. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's my opinion. Anyway, what do you think, Dustin? Match yeah, of the night. Match was, this was uh, fucking good. The build to this match was absolutely incredible. Um, Roman Reigns' the steel character is so fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, and the, the fact that Kevin Owens said that Roman, like before the match, that Roman Reigns would have to kill him in order for him to, or he was, or he was going to win the Universal Title or die trying. That's essentially what he said. Now, obviously, he's not going to actually kill him, but <laughs> well, they it, want it, more adult content, so yeah, it made for good suspense. This match, as opposed, as opposed to the WWE title match, this match was a lot more focused on brawling and using the weapons as opposed to pulling off amazing spots. Yeah, it was more more so about the emotion of the match, or the, the emotion of the storyline. But it was brutal from start to finish. Uh, Owens actually attacked Roman from behind uh, before the match even started. Like, Roman Reigns came out, uh, did his full entrance, 
And then, yeah, Kevin Owens didn't even have his entrance. He just like when Roman was standing in the ring posing with his championship, or, or when when they uh, attached the championship to the, the little hanger thing that they raise up, the, the title raises up, and then o- Owens just comes out of nowhere and attacks Roman Reigns. So that was an awesome start to the match, I thought. But uh, Roman gets the quick reversal and dominates the match early on. Uh, KO keeps uh, pushing back and hits uh, hits hits Roman with a suplex onto a chair at one point. At uh, one point, uh, Owen goes for the belts uh, first or first couple of attempts and gets cut off by Jey Uso, who's in there, which I expected from the get go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Owens and Uso slug it out, and Owen uh, Owens uh, gets hit with a Superman punch while he's fighting with Uso. Uh, KO hits a super kick on Uso and a stunner, stunner on Reigns. And uh, KO, uh, when they're on the outside fighting, KO hits a pop-up powerbomb through the announce table on Uso, which I thought looked absolutely incredible. I knew that was coming at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, KO climbs the ladder, literally fingertips away from the belt until he stopped. Uh, Roman powerbombs Owens onto a ladder that's set up in the corner. And at this point... Yeah, he power bombs him onto a ladder, but Michael Cole says that he gives him a spine buster onto a table. <laughs> I don't know how you screw that up, especially by like Michael Cole, who's had how many years of experience doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but spine yeah. buster through a table. Spine buster, yeah. Isn't it so power cool? You can... on a ladder, and he said it during the replay too. Yeah, he Look did. It's awesome. Spine buster through a table. It's like, <laughs> yeah, isn't it so cool, you guys? <laughs> and then he did that side slam thing on an open ladder, which looked like it fucking hurt. Oh, yeah. That was pretty fucking brutal. But, uh, yeah, after uh, after all this, Ro- uh, Roman climbs up uh, the ladder. Owen stops him by just pretty much putting one hand on Roman's boot. Not even, like, pulling him down. This is just, like, Kevin Owen's, like, almost lifeless body showing that he's not going to give up. Puts one hand on Roman's boot. Roman Reigns just kind of stops, looks down, and starts laughing at him. So he gets down off the ladder. Kevin Owens slaps Roman Reigns in the face. Roman Reigns then, after that, spears him through the table that's set up in the corner. So <laughs> then they fight on the outside for a little bit. Roman Reigns sets up a ladder on the barricade and then tries to spear KO through that. But KO moves out of the way, and Roman Reigns spears the ladder through the barricade on its own. And that looks fucking amazing. Uh, so after this, Roman, <laughs> Kevin Owens again tries to uh, climb the ladder. Roman stops him. Uh, KO then pop up power bombs Roman through the table in the ring. Uh, Kevin climbs the climbs the ladder, literally has both hands on the championship, and then Uso stops again. KO then hits a stunner on Uso, climbs the ladder, but Roman Reigns has recovered. Roman climbs the ladder, low blows KO, and then applies that guillotine sleeper on KO on top of the ladder. Owens passes out, falls to the floor. Roman grabs the belt, retains. It was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Like I was like a part of me thought and kind of hoped that at uh, that uh, KO was gonna win, but 
I kind of suspected that <laughs> that uh, Roman was going to retain. They made me believe. They made me believe a little bit that Roman or that uh, Roman could have lost. But I was actually suspecting at some at several points that uh, that uh, Jimmy Uso was going to come come out and uh, and help out Roman, and then they would form that that new Samoan faction they've been t- or that Samoan heel faction they've been talking about. Okay, right. It never ended up, up happening, but the, the whole match, for the most part, was a handicap match. Even though, even though Jey Uso wasn't uh, officially in it, didn't stop him from interfering at all. But, uh, but these two now <laughs> they actually do have a rematch this coming Friday on SmackDown in Steel Cage for the Universal Title. Oh, so we'll okay. see, see how that plays out. Well, Kevin Owens in a cage. I can, I can get behind that. Yeah, I'm gonna well, have I, to watch SmackDown. Fuck, I never watched SmackDown. <laughs> well, gonna, wait, why don't you watch SmackDown? SmackDown's amazing, man. Especially with the Roman storylines. It's way better I than watched, Oz. The next day, I watch like top ten, and I'm like, okay. You know, SmackDown is totally worth a watch over Raw, in my opinion. This is like a very, this is very strange considering the Fiend is on Raw now. I would I would definitely say that SmackDown has the better writing and like it just plays out better. But that's my opinion, of course. But I, I would definitely make the effort to watch SmackDown. Yeah, on Christmas. Oh, Christmassy. Oh, Christmas Day. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Fortunately, on one of my uh sports network, it's the WWF shows are replayed um, and an hour of NXT even like Saturday afternoons. But even then, Saturday afternoons, I got a life. You know, I'm trying to do things other than watch wrestling all day. Yeah. You know? You'll turn but, on the TV on Christmas and put SmackDown on. Snowy! That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, actually, like, Mrs. Snowy will be like, that's the WWF. What the hell? <laughs> like, like, if it was the end of way or something, like, but just all you have to say is, "But Paul Heyman." <laughs> well, <laughs> well, she can kind of get behind that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, another thing that I noticed. Uh, I actually watched uh, this pay per view over video chat with uh, our form, former host Mike Mason. He pointed out that Paul Heyman. The thing about Paul Heyman is that when he accompanies somebody to the ring, he's always looking at the person he's accompanying. He's never looking at the crowd or anything. He's always looking at the person who he's accompanying. And that makes you want to look at them too. Kind of like in an idolized sort of way. So it kind of like sells them as like a big deal, you know? Maybe that's, yeah. Maybe maybe that's that's all part of it. Yeah. That's probably like a little trope that uh, Paul Heyman uses to try to convince people like, this is a guy you should be looking at. This is a guy you should be caring about. He does. He's done that with everybody, from CM Punk to well, even Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Rock. Yeah, I'm gonna look out for that the next time. Yeah, like, yeah I like I when I see Heyman again. I'm gonna look out for that. Yeah, he, look, he looks. He looked. He looked at Roman the entire time they were coming out. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, it's like this match was incredible. Five stars, in my opinion. Like it what? wasn't. Not not so much on technical wrestling ability, but more, it was it was a brawling match through and through. But the storyline mm-hmm. and the like the 
the feeling of, of that you could get that Kevin Owens might actually win this. And, but yeah, yeah, then having it torn away from you at the, <laughs> at the very last <laughs> second. And yeah, so Kevin Owens is going to get his redemption in a steel cage where the Usos can't interfere or one Uso can't interfere, but I'm sure they'll find a way. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Hmm, right on. And now we go to our main event of the evening. It was the Firefly Inferno match between Randy Orton and the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Uh, oh fuck! <laughs> you just you just say you just all you have to do is say Randy Orton, and I'm just kind of like, oh, oh. Uh, yes, but he's had an amazing 2020. Yes, he has. That's that's true. But but uh, I gotta say. Like this, like I've been looking forward to this feud ever since the fiend uh, kind of debuted and was uh, it became evident that he was going after like people of his past that have wronged Bray Wyatt. And okay. then I, I remembered all the things that like Randy Orton did to Bray Wyatt, like how he was part of the Wyatt family, turned his back on him, burned the Wyatt compound down to the ground. So I was like, OK, I'm going to wait for like for for the fiend versus Randy Orton. That's going to be fucking amazing. And then, sure enough, when they both got drafted to Raw this past draft, I was like, okay, now it has to happen. And sure enough, here we are. <laughs> the The opening, uh, or the promo video that opened the match was absolutely stellar. It was uh, Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt in an ugly Christmas sweater, like a fiend Christmas sweater, uh, reciting a Christmas carol. Uh, that was theme, like The theme was a, about the whole match, though. And it was... Actually, like if, if you can find it on YouTube, I suggest watching it because it actually gets you really stoked for the match, in my opinion. But anyway, the guys make their way out to the ring. It's interesting to note, though, that uh, this match is not like your typical Inferno match. It didn't have that one thing surrounding the ring itself. It was just like, a there were, but you could see when they were coming out that there were a bunch of like poles uh, and other uh other devices surrounding the ringside area, like over the barricades okay. because, because there was no fans there. I guess that kind of made it a lot more easier for them to like go outside of the ring and, and uh, do more interesting things. Not, 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 not as limiting as your uh, typical Inferno mm-hmm. match. So uh, Randy York comes out first and then followed by the fiend who does his usual, like yeah, his usual, like really long entrance with the red lights. And uh, they start off the match. Randy Orton gets in, hits the Fiend with a couple of punches. The Fiend just laughs him off, like literally just looks at him and just starts giggling. Hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, Randy Orton hits him with a couple more punches. And then the Fiend gets pissed. Fiend goes wild on Orton with strikes and headbutts. So he starts laying it into Orton early on. Tries to hit Orton with a sister Abigail. Orton blocks it, tries to hit, turn it into an RKO, but then the Fiend stays in control and hits another sister Abigail on Randy Orton. Randy Orton rolls out of the ring, and then the Fiend stands in the middle of the ring, raises his arms in the air, lets out a mighty roar. All the things around the ring burst into flames. <laughs> it, it looks so fucking cool. Like, as a visual, you, like, just with the, yeah, it's just, oh, like, this is kind of like the, like I guess you could call this like a half cinematic match because it was pre-taped, obviously for for reasons. But, right. but right. this 
that that one spot, I, I just looked at it when he when he let out that roar and all the fire just burst up. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Orton legitimately looks terrified as the fiend goes to the outside to confront him. Uh, the fiend lashes Orton with a belt that he finds under the ring. And then he gets another belt, sets that belt on fire and then goes to hit Orton with it, misses him. Fiend goes under the ring and finds a pickaxe to try and attack Orton with. Okay. A pickaxe. Mm-hmm. A pickaxe. <laughs> misses, misses with the picks, misses with the pickaxe as I thought he would. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But then after he lays out Orton again, he takes the rocking chair, like the old Bray Wyatt rocking chair that he used to sit on, mm-hmm. puts it on the ringside area, douses it in gasoline, and then pours like a trail of gasoline along the floor. Mm-hmm. Fights Orton a little bit more, hits him, or yeah, gets him to sit in the chair, takes out a Zippo lighter, throws the Zippo lighter on the trail of gasoline. As the trail of gasoline travels towards Orton, Orton gets out of the chair, or dives out of the chair before the chair engulfs in flames <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah yeah after this orton finds an axe handle under the ring that he attacks the fiend with yeah because those are always just laying around under the ring axe oh yeah axe, axe handles with no head yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah orton orton attacks I, thought, I actually thought it was a baseball bat at first but but then when i okay. got at it and the commentary team yes yeah, pointed out that it was an axe handle they throw the axe handle away. Orton grabs a chain, wraps it around the fiend's face, tries to shove the fiend's face right into the flames. Doesn't do, or is unsuccessful. The fiend then grabs the axe handle again, sets that on fire, and tries to attack Orton with it. Yeah, they both uh, get out of the ring, or, and on his way out of the ring, Orton hits one of those draping DDTs that he does off the ropes onto the fiend, but onto the floor. As the fiend's lying on the floor, Orton tries to set him up for an RKO. But then the fiend turns the RKO into a mandible claw. As he's got him in the mandible claw, he, tr- he brings Orton closer to the flames. But then Orton flips it around. <laughs> he flips it around and puts the f- the fiend into the flames, and the fiend catches on fire. Oh, okay. The fiend's leather jacket is engulfed in flames. Randy Orton runs into the ring to get away from him. But then the fiend, while still on fire, runs into the ring, and then Orton gives him an RKO. All again while the fiend is still on fire. So at this point, the fiend has or uh, Orton has won the match. The fiend is laying lifeless in the ring as the flames go out on his jacket. Orton flips the fiend's body over, goes to the outside, grabs a, a jerry can of gasoline, dumps the entire thing on the fiends, then grabs a box of matches, lights the matches, and then as the commentary team are literally screaming at him not to do it. Throws the matches down on the fiend. Now, obviously, this is a, a dummy they've replaced him with at this point. Right. Hey, fave, so. Matt. Hey, fave. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. Come on. Mm. Uh, Let's be serious here. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way around that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was obviously when they when they cut back to it that it was a dummy. But either way, like the the visual of him just like throwing the matches on to the fiend's lifeless body and the fiend's body going up in flames. And then Orton gets out of the ring and does his little pose <laughs> pose on the entrance ramp, ramp, and that's how the pay-per-view ended, with the Fiend on fire in the ring. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you really had me this whole show? 
Okay, all the way up until this match. And I was just, okay. Uh, how, 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 how much further can you push the envelope than setting a man on fire? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the main event. Uh, I thought I actually thought it was entertaining as hell. I'm interested to see where they can go from here because whether or not Bray Wyatt uh, repackages himself or just like the fiend evolves into an even greater monster from here, like and it's really no different. Yeah, it's really. Speaking no of that angle, do you want a raw spoiler? No, I don't. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> no. Okay, so horns up, horns down, horns in the middle. Horns up, up for for a WWE like best WWE pay per view of the year, I think, or in the pandemic part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's pretty much been the, the the whole year, pretty much. I think the world went to well, uh, March March fourteenth. The world went to shit. Yeah, I, I so. actually have the day. I actually have yep. the day. It's getting very interesting in McMahon land right now because from what I've heard this week, okay, raw ratings are mm, abysmal. The shits, yeah. Yeah, like they are an absolute all-time low. Um, and that's that's the pro wrestling flagship show for how many years now? Almost 30. Like, right, right. Like 20, that. Yeah. For sure, for sure. That is the big show, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm hearing, though, that Dynamite is nipping at their heels. And actually, with some demographics, okay, and I'm not just trying to, you know, be a Jericho here, like certain demographics and all that. If you're winning in certain with certain demographics, advertisers look at stuff like that. That stuff is important. Yeah, business. Yeah, in business. Yeah, at the end of the day, as much as you know, it's still real to us, and it's a sport to us, and all that. At the end of the day, it still is a business, and you know, demographics is something to be looking at. I would be interested to find out. Like, okay, that first week, okay, where Dynamite does a better rating. You know, then raw. <laughs> okay, like w- McMahon's head is going to explode. Oh, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, because <laughs> he thought for twenty years that the demon of someone, like the <laughs> the demon in the back of his mind of another wrestling company beating him in the ratings, has been long gone. He's, long gone. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he so slayed that last week. Yeah. Well, he's like Dynamite's highest ratings have been one million, whereas Raw's ratings last week were one point four million. So yeah, they're like four hundred thousand people off from being tied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's that's really saying something. And it, it like even even like a million really okay for a wrestling show. Like you might think, oh, this this, this is great for Dynamite. You got to remember. The lot the 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 dying days of thunder in WCW was doing two million. Yeah, but you know, like peak Monday Night War, both shows were doing like eight million, eight Eight million, ten million. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, like it was absolutely amazing. And I'm just, but I'm just saying, you know, even even before 
you know, the old NWA, like their job matches, their syndicated job matches, we're doing better than Raw now. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's just like it's like the whole business, as exciting as it is. OK, because we do we do have like I don't even watch WWF anymore because I I've got AEW, I've got impact. I got ROH, you know, and the, the NWA is back now and all that. Just it's it's the whole business in general is hurting. Mm hmm. Seems. No, I don't think it's. I don't think like sadly to say, I don't think it's ever going to get up to that that spot of like eight million viewers a week again. Oh, it's not. No, like the the business has changed so much. People have moved on. Like there's like not nearly as many people. Like people have just lost interest. Unfortunately, like it's a yeah. It's a it's a niche. Like it's a niche thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I yeah, find it kind of dumb how on wrestling pages now on Facebook, there's some people trying to argue that AEW is the best company of all time. It's like, <sighs> well, are you stupid? Not all time, no. But people are like, oh, this is like the best thing to forever happen in wrestling. This is the best thing. Blah blah blah. It's better than WWE. It's Whenever it started, well, it's like, yeah. shut the fuck up. You know nothing. Yeah. How old is this kid saying this? Okay. Probably like, like my age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it's not the best thing ever, but it's the best thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say. That's well, fair enough. But there's also people out there who think NXT is the worst thing in WWE. Yeah, those people are okay, wrong. Those, those, yeah, there's there's <laughs> opinions and then there's just slapped. being wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like oh NXT is so shit. How do people? This is like raw lights. I'm just like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Did you tell me you just pull a Booker T? Tell me you didn't just say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you want to get smacked into oblivion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, they just uh, they're the guys who look for storylines over wrestling i guess but right. it's better of both <laughs> like mm-hmm. guys coming in like character wise are not they're not stone cold they're not the rock they're not hulk hogan they're not any of these guys it's like that- it's like when i was going to live shows i would when guys would come out who i wanted to see wrestle for years would be like indie guys who'd been signed so i would start chanting their indie name and people would be like who the fuck's that and i'm like him. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's always been that way. Oh shit! I could, I, I could write a book about the, you know, in the eighties when Vince would bring in someone from another, from another federation, and they, of course they're given their own brand, their own brand new name, and it's a whole new audience. Mm-hmm. Right? There's like it's not wrestling fans watching the WWF, so they have no idea, and they actually thought Ronnie Garvin was a rookie. You know, at that time, after he was wrestling for 20 years and a former NWA champion. So most probably people, people nowadays who are even like people a few years ago who watched NXT probably thought Samoa Joe was this like new up and comer, even though he had been wrestling in TNA and Ring of Honor for like decades prior. Like, Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. One of the last Smackdown shows here, I think the main event was AJ and Ambrose for the WWE title. And yeah. I was chanting Moxley, and the guy beside me is like, "Who the fuck's Moxley?" I'm like, oh. "Him." 
That guy. Yeah. No, he, he probably. Knew I was he trained by WWE. No, he wasn't. You idiot. No, he wasn't. <laughs> well, now he probably knows who John Moxley is if he watches AEW. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, the fan fan base and the way the fan structure over the years has changed so much. Like I said, that's definitely a uh, a future uh, turnbuckle talk. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, Ducky, how much of Triple Mania 28 did you check out? I only had the chance to check out Omega, Laredo Kid, and Chessman and Pagano. Ah, okay. Basically, the two main events. Recently, Triple yeah. uh, A down in Mexico had their annual Triple Mania, which is basically, I assume... The their WrestleMania, their Starcade before that, and all that. That's the it's the big one in Mexico, and I have to admit, a little bit embarrassed by this, but this is the first Triple Mania that I've managed to catch through like live from beginning to end. Did I lose you guys? Can you hear me? No, no, I'm good. Yep, okay. I'm good. Okay, hi. So there was a little bit of interference. Interference there so i was a little concerned but yeah this this was the first triple mania like like every year you know you kind of catch um highlights here and there and all that clips and uh this is um i was stoked i was really excited i remember getting i don't know did you guys was it telemundo or was it just called the latino network Years no, ago, was one called the uh, Telemundo. Yeah, that's what it was called. Okay, I remember seeing AAA wrestling their TV programs late Friday night, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's when I. This was oh my god, this I guess about twenty years ago, maybe fifteen. Now I remember the the uh, it was it was AAA wrestling and this really bad soap opera. Okay. Oh, but Latin lover. Latin lover. Yeah, it was basically softcore <laughs> porn. Yep. Yeah. I, remember. <laughs> okay. I was like nine years old. That was on. Yeah, I was, I was like, gonna say you. You must have been <laughs> staying up at night. Okay. Yep. I was three. I don't remember <laughs> shit. <laughs> right <laughs> after Snap Park. It's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, the the two programs I watched on Telemundo and all and all that. One of them was 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 AAA. So ah, so much has kind of changed because I really didn't recognize a whole lot of these names. I kind of had to get, I kind of had to use this show to get kind of to get re reacquainted with with the whole idea, like like the concept of the trios match. Mm-hmm. There was really only two of them, and the second one, I don't even think they applied the original trio's rules, which were you had the Rudos, the heels on one side, and the Technicos on the other, which were kind of the good guys. And the point, the point is, the point of the trio's match was to either pin the predetermined captain or the other two guys. And I think 
And I got the results here. I took some notes, but I had to pull up some other stuff here on the interwebs to kind of give myself a refresher. The first match, um, Porter Del Norte. I imagine that's how it's pronounced. Uh, featuring Tito Santana. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh-huh. Carter Brava Jr. and Mocha Carter Jr. versus Dynestia Maximo and Mr. Iguana. These were the only, this was the only um, true tree trios match that I actually saw. And the Rudos, okay, they kind of were very S.H.I.E.L.D. looking. You remember the way S.H.I.E.L.D. had like their outfits? Okay, the flat yeah, 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 yeah. When they they kind of look like the SWATs. Well, yeah, that's kind of what what this group looked like. And I have to admit, like I could watch wrestling. Like there was very little English commentary. It was mostly Spanish, and I'm good with that. But every once in a while, like I would hear Tito Santana, and I would be like, "What? Huh? What? No, it's just one of the younger guys is has the same." The same gimmick name, okay. And, all. and Miss Mister Iguana, I got to say, would be right at home with the WWF because here's a guy; he's a mass wrestler and all that. But he just he just had this thing for having a stuffed lizard <laughs> in his mouth and carrying it around and throwing it as at his opponents. I'm like, okay, all right, all right, fine, fine. The show really started to pick up. Um, with the the second match, a three way tag team match for the AAA World Tag Team Champions, which the Lucha Brothers, those Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and Pentagon Junior, had won. They won that. Um, following that was the um, the Copa the Copa Triple Mania Feminile match, which was basically a ladies eight. Eight ladies, um, Royal Rumble type match. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was um, uh, La- Lady Mar, Lady Maravella, Lady Shani, uh, Lady Apache, Lehendria, Mamba, Hades, Chick Tormentia, Big Mommy, and let me see if I get this pronounced Pimpinella Escalarta. Okay, now some of these gimmicks looked right out of glow. Okay, from back then, but there was also a lot of talent. Okay, like I I could see like I'm 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 watching this match. I'm watching these characters and how how they're using them and all that. And it's like you know what this lady Shani she's who ended up winning the whole thing. Okay. If I was Impact, if I was AEW, you know, I would definitely be looking at some of these uh, these these competitors, Lady Apache as well. Really cool stuff. Really, uh, really, very impressive. Really caught my attention. Really? Yeah, yeah. The second trios match, which basically pretty much all went to hell. Okay, was with the. <laughs> The loss, the low psycho circus with psycho clown, monster clown, and murder clown. Okay, now you might be thinking, oh, God, like, are they all dressed up like the insane clown posse or something? It's like, 
No, no, they have their luchador masks on and all that. They just look very much like a clown. Okay. I really did really didn't give it much attention. Like they're introducing these guys, and I'm like, oh, okay, this can't be good. Psycho opponent- clown, good wrestler though. Um, yeah, yeah. Their opponent, uh, Blue Demon Jr., okay, El Hio Della Park, and the original L.A. Park. The same, um, love, he was, it's basically... Didn't the original L.A. Park die? No, no, that was, um, oh shit. It was La Parca too, wasn't it? Yeah, basically that was the guy that took over the La Parca gimmick. That right, and then he took a suit no. and died wrong, and then died like a couple weeks later or something. I I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But yes, this this LA Park was the La Parca that North America. Well, not I shouldn't say North American, but American fans learned the, 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 the one with the yeah, the one with the chair, right? Like yes. yeah, yes, yes, and the and, chairman of WCW. Yeah. yeah, the old guy can go. Yeah, you know, like it was basically like he's not he's he's definitely not he's not the Laparco of old, you know that we remember from 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 twenty years ago. But he was still you know out there giving her, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Blue Good Demon, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> Blue Demon Junior ended up turning on him, and they ended up brawling. And all that, but I guess that's all kind of part of the whole thing. I was just, I had to eat, I, I had to eat, you know, some crow here because I, I immediately wrote, wrote off this low psycho circus all dressed up like the clowns and all that. It's like, yeah, okay. But it actually, they, they impressed, they impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This. This. This was. I. I don't quite know what to make of this. The following match, because it's it's the Marvel Lucha Libre exhibition match. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I said Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's like the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tara Papura and Venny Doid. Okay, which Venetoid was basically a luchador that looked like Venom, Spider-Man. Okay. okay. And they faced Arachno and Legendia Americana, which is basically a Spider-Man and a Captain America. <laughs> I, I, figured, I figured Americana was going to be Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, take for whatever this is, just take it for what it is. Okay, at least they called it an exhibition match. Mm-hmm. Not not to be taken seriously, but upon some a little bit of um, research afterwards, apparently Terra Papura is was Brian Cage. And okay. Arachno was Leo Rush. Hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, good for them. They get a paycheck. The light, they they brawl out. Venom starts beating up Spider-Man for all intents and purposes. <laughs> yeah. The lights go out, and then uh, Captain Marvel shows up and makes the save. Hmm. Uh, it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Captain Marvel, John Cena? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It was a male or female Captain Marvel? It was the female. Okay. 
Yeah, like I knew her as Ms. Marvel as a kid, but I guess with the movies now, Captain Marvel became a female, and now in the movies she's a female, and it's like oh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, yeah. DC, DC had their own Captain Marvel, didn't they? They got renamed like Shazam or something. Or- Shazam, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- like for every superhero that Marvel had, DC had their counterpart, and vice versa. Well, that's how that's how Deadpool was born in the Marvel universe because uh, the guy Deadpool was created by the guy who invented Deathstroke, and then DC fired him, so he made Deathpool as a kind of a middle finger to them. <laughs> right, right. Oh, uh, don't get me started because yeah, I can draw so many comparisons. <laughs> yeah. The main points are probably to quote that to quote that SpongeBob thing a few hours later. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the main event is probably where you know American and Canadian audiences would probably catch the most interest. Kenny Omega defended the AAA Mega Championship against Laredo Kid, mm-hmm. and this this had me. Okay, like I was pretty sure that. With everything going on in the world, Omega wasn't dropping the title, but it went back and forth. Fantastic match. It just I, like there was a couple times where you you actually suspended the, the the disbelief, going back on what your own your own thoughts and ideas. And okay, maybe maybe Laredo Kid's gonna do it. Maybe Laredo Kid's gonna do it. It finally took a one winged angel off the top rope. Put him down. Yeah, to finally put him down. And the thing that really struck me about this match is Laredo Kid for American audiences is probably just it's that luchador that kind of fought over the uh, X Division title in Impact when I got around to watching Impact. Mm-hmm. Okay, it just goes to show, okay, you put certain wrestlers that can go that have an impressive work rate. You give them the time and the platform, and they could probably, you know, turn a lot of heads and really impress. And the Laredo Kid definitely impressed me. I remember seeing Laredo Kid on an episode of Dynamite uh, last year. I think it was uh, it was the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid against uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was the first time I'd ever heard of Laredo Kid. Ah, okay, yeah, it was definitely. It, it was like you would hear all the Spanish commentary. Okay, they're going back and forth, and then you hear AEW, Impact, Young Bucks, Weenie Peg. Oh, oh, right on. They introduced, well, I've heard that from so many, not just Spanish, but. I know that's just the way they pronounce it, but saying weenie pig, it sounds like they're making fun of us. (laughs) Weenie pig. No, no. You hear hear metal musicians from Europe when they're in town. All right, weenie pig. (laughs) It was was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And Omega stayed in character. Yeah, what we are seeing, you know, particularly on Impact right now, that was the same Omega. So it's so, like the cleaner, the cleaner again, pretty much. Right, right. Yeah. 
Like he's 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 turning heel or is still a heel or whatever he is in you know, very much into his heel run. run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and he didn't have the AEW title like with no. Him. Well, yeah, he had the mega championship because that's that's yeah. Triple A's uh, title, right? Right, right. Yeah. But I still I still would have liked to have, if he had brought both belts out. That would have been cool. Well, yeah, like uh, kind of play into more of his belt collector gimmick that he teased when he was on Impact the first time. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be the least bit surprised mm-hmm. if we start if he we start seeing him on Impact with the with the AAA Mega Championship belt. Yeah, and if he eventually beats Rich Swan for the Impact title too. Yeah, which I which I got to say, uh, who who called that? I think Matt, you called that last episode. Seeing Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, are we not seeing that at Hard to Kill now? Uh, no, Hard to Kill is. Uh... It's Kenny Omega and uh, Gallows and Anderson. So basically like a Bullet Club reunion against, uh, oh, who is it now? It's, it's it's against Rich Swan and two other guys. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Motor City Machine Guns. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. But they, I think they might be building towards an Omega Swan match. I'm going to definitely be tuning in. It's Monday as we speak. See, we're we're not even watching Raw. This is how dedicated we are to the world of pro wrestling. We'd rather be Raw tomorrow. We'd rather be doing this. So I'll be checking that. That so yeah. Back tomorrow, Dynamite Wednesday. It's (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's 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 too bad. You can have a break. Yeah, Thursday we have a break. Then SmackDown and yeah. So yeah, it was a fantastic match. Had had me going. You had had me sucked right in. Um, but it really shouldn't have been a surprise. And finally, finally, hair versus hair, hair versus mask, mask versus masks. These are big deals in Mexico. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, so it was actually really cool seeing you know, a hair versus hair match. And I have to admit, I didn't know who Pagano was. I didn't know who Chess Man was. I didn't know. You, you've people. seen Pagano wrestle once before. He wrestled at the last ICW show we all got together and watched last before Code Red. Oh, okay. See, I, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> these two just didn't ring a bell, but um for 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 a plunder match for like i imagine like there's there's a history there's rhyme and reason as to why they're doing this because like i know just from being a wrestling fan if it if it gets to hair versus hair mask versus mask there's rhyme and reason there has been a build-up there's you know like this is this is the blow-off match for a huge feud or angle so like i didn't mind you know that there was a lot of plunder, you know, and there was a there was a lot of, you know, they 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 took it outside a lot. You know, I think um, Chessman ended up bleeding hard way after getting his head bashed into some chairs, not taking a chair bump, but like bashed Just, into in, in into some chairs. Yeah, yeah, that um, spot looked like it hurt. It did, and <laughs> I think he I think he was going hard way. Well. 
Yeah. Sometimes you just yeah. got. Sometimes that just happens. It, it some sometimes just happens. There, there is this one point though, where someone they went through the table. Okay, their crew came out, took the table away, and they brought another table out that was already set up and in place. And all that they, they they took the broken one out, brought the new one in, and just left it there. And then they went through the second one, and it's like really, really, you know. It was kind of funny when they took the whole thing out near the announce table, and it's like okay, okay, okay. We we are in Mexico. They're doing Spanish commentary, but uh, are you guys going to take the whole Spanish announce? table thing it's trope talking about tropes the spanish announce yeah. table like <laughs> no, but, the commentator took, but the commentator took a guitar to the head and that was gonna be my next thing yeah chessman takes a takes a guitar right out of the blue and i'm sorry i don't know the gentleman's name just whop someone <laughs> like right a good out shot bust, oh it was a hell of a shot and busts him open and I, I don't know if he's a former wrestler that, you know, Chessman doesn't like or what, whatever. But. That's what I was thinking. It's like, why would you just like, oh, yeah. just gonna, you know, I'm just going to have fun today and just bash the... Yeah, like, like just, just, just picture for no, like, um, who has a guitar? Like, what's his name? Eli. Not Eli. No, the new guy that does the singing. In oh, the, Elias. Elias. Okay, like he has a guitar and they fight outside the ring and then they're near the booth and just out of the blue, Elias takes the guitar to Michael Cole's. That'd oh, no, be great. Okay, okay, there's fantasy booking right there, okay? That would be, <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Maybe okay, he'll but, start naming moves correctly. <laughs> but, just, but, but the idea is just like, if just out of the blue, okay... Elias just took a guitar and wrapped him in the skull for apparently no for no reason. Vintage Elias, he hit me with a guitar last week. Uh, uh, yeah. Elias is on Raw, so maybe he could go up to Samoa Joe and wail him with a guitar, and then Samoa Joe can come back to the ring for a little while. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's would definitely. Joe you know. is being so wasted on commentary, though. Like well, he's, he's good on commentary. He like, is, probably, but like. Fuck. Yeah, but should can he still go? Like, can still go. Okay, good. But he's kind of accident prone lately because he's getting yeah. up. Right, right. Lady Shani made her appearance in the match, and um, some of the heels from uh, from the three way match, Los Marasianos, Mer- which was. Texaco Jr. and Rhea Scorpion, they ended up uh, interfering as well on Chessman's behalf and powerbombing Shani as part of it. And it's like, oh, that looked brutal. I don't know, Ducky, if you remember that or saw it, but she took one hell of a bump and all that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, finally, the, the, the match came to an end when they went off a platform through a table that was set up, you know, in the back cab of a truck. It's like, okay, f- first of all, why would there be a table set up, set <laughs> up, okay, on the, on the back of a truck like that? <laughs> like that. 
<laughs> because of because because of pro wrestling. But with with all of that, it didn't matter. This is some this was something I hadn't seen in a while. It was fresh. It was new. I was introduced to a lot of cool new wrestlers. And not only am I giving this horns up, I'm giving horns way up to Lady Shani as well. She's I just the whole night. She just impressed the hell out of me. And uh, I said, American uh, bookers be looking her way. So what you saw, Ducky, what do you say? Horns up, horns down, horns in the middle? For those two matches I saw, horns up. It was good. It was. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, hopefully um, they do this again next year. But I'm going to try my best to see, you know, as much triple A as I can. Is that part of the whole like you have a subscription, Ducky, to the wrestling independent wrestling TV? Triple A is not on there. It's not on there. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna look into There's see. There's some Mexican wrestling promotions, but Triple A's not on it. It's not on there. No, no. They probably have their own their own way of doing things and their own you know, the only Mexican promotions that are off the top of my head that are on IWTV at the moment are um, Zona 23 and uh, Guatemala Hardcore Crew. Oh, okay. For all, it's probably because AAA is a working relationship with AEW, so that might have something to do with it. Right, right. Okay, well, it's definitely, like I said, it, it has once again caught my attention. Do we have anything else? that we kind of want to discuss before we move on to turnbuckle actually no ducky you you saw something yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, so last weekend icw held their final event of the year they did pit fighter five from the that barn again in new jersey Uh, with like yeah. wrestling, res- like with restrictions of fans now because of how bad it's gotten over there, there was only twenty five people in attendance. Okay, but it was still a good show. There should have been about sixty five people, but then that happened, and Danny Demento re- uh, refunded those other forty people who couldn't be there, which was very nice of them. Oh yeah. The show started off with the Deathmatch, he goes by the name the Deathmatch Samurai Akira versus Aiden Blackheart. It was his, Aiden Blackheart's first time in the pit. It's basically, we've watched the shows before together. It's like a UFC type cage and they just fill it with weapons and they beat the shit out of each other. Right. (laughs) Akira won this one with a German suplex on a chair. Uh, Match two of the night. Which was originally supposed to be Dan Moth versus Schlack. Uh, Schlack couldn't make it. And then an hour before the show, Dan Moth had a family emergency. Oh, fuck. On on paper, that match, Dan. Well, first of all, Dan Moth is incredible. Yeah. 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 To be taking on Schlack. Like, fuck. Yeah. So hopefully everything in his household is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So originally placing Slack was Shane Mercer, who's like this other big strong dude like Chris Dickinson. But he looks a lot stronger than Chris Dickinson because he's picked up like full rows of bleachers and thrown uh-huh. people. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Which would be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, so, a little bit. <laughs> so Mercer versus Dan Moff would have been good, but that didn't happen because of the family emergency. So we got, uh, he goes by Red Death, Daniel Garcia. He's like an MMA type guy. It was the only weapons they had in the cage were doors. And they used all the doors. It was a very good back and forth fight. And Shane, just, Mercer came, Shane Mercer came out on top. Just, just doors? That's all they had? Just doors? Just doors. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and and the chair too. Oh, okay. Uh the third match of the evening was Dominic Garini, another MMA type dude versus Gary J, who we've seen wrestle before for IWA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh very good match. Near the end I sent you guys a video where he took a Northern Lights on a chair and you've never yeah. seen a chair bend like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. And then he hooked him in an actual guillotine Roman Reigns cough cough and actually choked him out. <laughs> to end that one and then the next match was ICW owner Danny Demento versus Brandon Kirk at one point in the match Danny threw Brandon Kirk from a top platform in the barn through flaming doors and then Brandon Kirk actually came out on top at the end flaming doors the next match of the evening was more of a comedy spot in a match, but it was it was fucking awesome. It was Neil Diamond Cutter versus Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, At the beginning, they started arguing, and then they're like, "Let's take this. You want to take this outside? Yeah, let's take this outside." So they just walked out of the cage, hit each other with a couple candy cane light tubes, and were like, "You good? Yeah, I'm good." Shook hands and went back in, and then <laughs> continued the match. <laughs> And then they were drinking so because uh, Jeff Cannonball does this like short soda review channel thing. So they were drinking soda and like reviewing it. He's like, "No, mine's better. No, mine's better." Then they started throwing it at each other. <laughs> Neil Diamond Cutter came out on top of this match with a frog okay. splash through a guardrail with a barbed wire board on top of Jeff. Cannonball. Oh god! Okay. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Up next, we had Satu Jin in his ICW return against Reed Bentley. Uh, this one was good. This one was bloody. They had, um, well, we've all stepped on carpet strips before. We know how much those suck. Yeah. Uh, they basically made kendo sticks out of them and we're just oh. beating each other with them. <laughs> That's horrifying. But yeah, Reed Bentley came out on top. Mm, okay. Up next, we had. Alex Ocean versus our buddy Casanova Valentine. Yeah, we are. That's what I'm talking about. Since Riley Madison turned the real big cast. joined Alex Ocean. This one was this one was really good. Uh they beat the shit out of each other. At one point, Cass did a frog splash off the top of the cage and broke his elbow. Oh uh, fuck. <laughs> So he's out for six to eight weeks. That's we not that the best. Wish him yeah. the best in recovery. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, he can still he can still work his nine to five job though, so that's good. That's oh. good. He's not completely fucked financially. Nope. Uh, Did you say he works in a beer factory or a beer yeah, warehouse? Like a beer warehouse type place. Nice. On one of his documentaries on YouTube that I watched one time, I was like, oh, okay, he's he's good. Huh. <laughs> yeah, everyone. There's no. You know, beer is always in demand. 
Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And and essential wrestling, beer, these are essential services. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's why that's why all the beer vendors are still open, even during Code Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex Ocean came out on top in this match after hitting Cass with a two by four that had a bunch of gusset plates on it. And then just beating him with a chair until the ref stopped it. Hmm. Wait, ref stoppage? Really? Yeah, yeah ref stoppage. Oh, was it because of his broken elbow or? Well, he didn't know it was broken at the time. He was just like shit kicking him with a chair. Oh, okay. So that was the scheduled finish? Probably? I guess so. Okay, okay. Yeah, and see, then, like you you don't know with these matches. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> like it could be, it could be like, well, this guy's half dead. Better wrap it up. Or it could be, <laughs> you know, okay, just beat the snot out of him until he's half dead and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then oh, we had our main event of the evening, which had John Wayne Murdoch against no flinch Nolan Edward. Just this up and comer dude who's like tough as shit and basically will take anything that's thrown at him and just calls out all the toughest dudes. Like he he fought Dan Moff a couple shows ago and got his ass kicked. Wow. But he kept coming back and Dan Moff was like, Are you insane? What's wrong with you? Just stay down, kid. Stay down. He kept yelling, what's wrong with you? And Nolan kept yelling, everything. And then he would just get his shit pushed in more. It was like Moxley. Yeah, it was like Moxley and Darby Allen. Just like, stay down, kid. (laughs) Yep. And then before the match started, John Wayne wanted every weapon not used that night in the cage at the end. So it was kind of full. And the match started with them just beating each other with doors and light tubes. And it ended with John Wayne Murdoch giving Nolan Edward a brain buster through a barbed wire door. Through which, not a barbed wire door, sorry, a door lit on fire. Oh. A lot of fire being mentioned in this episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that was We're the all episode. fire. <laughs> okay. Huh, what do you say? Horns up, horns down, horns in the middle? For me being the deathmatch guy out of the three of us, I'm going to say horns up. <laughs> yeah, I figured such. <laughs> get, see, get help, buddy. Jeez. <laughs> I bet you wish the fiend actually got set on fire. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I, that kind of harkened us back. What show was that, Ducky, where we were watching... Was 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 it the Dudleys? I think it was. Yeah, it was the Dudleys again. It's like wasn't it like Kane and Daniel Bryan or something. Something like that. And someone was about no, to go. It was the Dudleys and the Wyatts. Oh, okay. And oh, like okay. they teased a flaming table spot, and we were like, "Yeah!" And then it's... he just slammed him through the table without it being lit, and we got so mad. Yeah, we were so mad that it wasn't actually on fire, and I just, I just had to check my head after that. It's like, and then after uh, we were like, "Wait a minute!" Yeah, we were just pissed off that no one got lit on fire. Uh, and now here we are, fast forward. The Inferno match know. last night with the actual rules, unlike the 2013 Bray Wyatt Kane match. Well, it wasn't, that wasn't even called an Inferno match. It was called like a Circle of... Circle of Fire match or something? Circle of Fire match or, yeah. Wow. Or Red of Fire. Remember the the first Inferno match that the WWF had? It was just like, it was Kane and The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the idea was to just put set fire to the other guy. And they 
Kane ended up getting his foot lit on fire and all that, and that was the end of it. And it's like, well, okay, that's good. You know, you know I guess I remember um, the World Wrestling Council, WWC, that Carlos Colon, you know, owned and all that, that infamous Puerto Rican federation that's probably best known now for, you know, that there was that locker that Bruiser Brody was stabbed in. Mm-hmm. Well, their fire match. Sorry? Was that where Bruiser Brody died? Or? Yeah, yeah, in the locker of a WWC uh, uh, card show. Mm-hmm. Their, their fire matches, they had, like, um, cloth wrapped around on various parts of the ropes and then set on fire. So the fire was burning on the ropes while... That's how they did it in Japan, too. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, crazy. That actually reminds me of another Inferno match that uh, WCW had. I think it was in 2000 when uh, it was Vampiro versus Sting. Oh, they're uh, like the torch match? Yeah, or torch, yeah, human torch match. That's what it yeah. was. And, yeah, where they, they ended up fighting up on the big screen and then yeah, yeah, yeah and Vampiro ended up winning, but like the, and then Sting like fell from the from the top of the screen into the to the floor, and then they got doused with fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah, Sting went wow. up like Wyatt did. <laughs> yeah, but that that was yeah. I guess that was that wasn't actually Sting though. That was that was a yeah. stunt double. Probably. <laughs> stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will find it and send it to the chat for Snowy to watch. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. This does not ring a bell at all. Speaking okay. of Sting. Yep, Speaking of Sting, <laughs> that brings us to tonight's turnbuckle talk. And I have to admit, you know, with everything going on in the world, okay, or everything going on in the, it's just how how used we to we how this is how used we are to saying stuff like, oh, the world's gone to shit and all that. But anything, anyways, in the pro wrestling world, one of the things that has gotten everyone's attention, positively or negatively, has been the return of Sting. Mm-hmm. It's Sting! It's Sting! It's Sting! It's Sting! <laughs> so exciting. So exciting. So obviously, it's very timely, very, you know, this is now definitely the time to get into all things Sting. I believe last episode, like we've already been talking about this a bit and we all marked out, we, we, it, was, it was a surprise to all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's, always, it's always going to be, you know, a very special moment. One, one of the highlights of the year, for sure. Yeah, I gotta say, it's really impressive, especially nowadays in the social media age where you're able to keep things under wraps. Because, like, I guess people suspected that Sting was going to go to AEW because his WWE contract had run up and WWE removed all of the merchandise for Sting off their off their shop and all that. But they didn't really know where he was going to go. Everyone just speculated AEW because they got they're the only other company with the big money that right. can really these days. So we didn't know when. And then, like, we suspected, oh, maybe at full gear, maybe here, maybe there. But we didn't expect that when they said winter was coming they were referring to sting but that that was a big surprise and when that actually happened yeah i gotta admit i marked out 
<laughs> quite a bit this year, for sure. Do you think that Sting is probably one of the only wrestlers now that is going to move a needle for anyone? Uh, it's like, I mean, he's a household name. Like, he's he's one of those names that, like, uh, surpasses the popularity of professional wrestling, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's up there with The Rock and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan, I'd mm-hmm. say. And even Goldberg. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But these, these are the guys that back in the day were on the cover of uh TV guide magazine where you were checking your groceries out at the, at the grocery store. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, like pe- people know, people know who they are and like, it's like, and, yeah, yeah I would, they're not even wrestling say, fans. Yeah, for sure. Like people recognize these guys, but, and I would say for sure that sting is, can potentially move the needle for, for uh, AEW if, if the marketing is right now imagine what happens and we talked about this at the beginning of the show okay or as 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 we're going along that time does come where dynamite you know has has higher ratings in any demo or just overall okay and it's because of sting okay now the wwf had sting they brought they they brought him in and basically Ruined what they had with with a stupid buckle bomb. Yeah, they 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 squandered it. They didn't know what they had because it wasn't a WWF creation. He was still the other guy, you know. And they really dropped the ball. So imagine if this, if Sting, you know, turns 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 the page in this ratings war, you know, <laughs> to surpass Raw. Because mm-hmm. of Sting now, like ah, oh. <laughs> you guys, you only got yourself to blame. What I find funny is when Sting showed up on AEW, all those memes that went around after AEW fans when WWE brings back old guys. Oh, why are they doing this? This is the worst idea ever. AEW fans when the AEW brings in Sting, Sting, we like Sting. <laughs> of course, of course, but what's the difference? What do you think is going to be the difference? Yes. Well, I can only hope uh, for AEW's sake that they don't put the they don't put the title on Sting like the WWE has done with Goldberg when they bring him in and there's a rating spike. Like they should know by now that like having these old guys just because there's like a little bit of a rating spike doesn't mean those people who like tuned in just because he was on SmackDown for like 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't mean that they're now going to stick around. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And Goldberg's definitely not sticking around. He's only showing up for a payday, and then mm-hmm. he's going to fuck off, which good. Okay. <laughs> Sting, though, has signed to a long-term deal. Sting is going to be around. So that kind of begs the question. How would you guys book Sting in 2020, 2021, we should say? How, how, what, what would you guys do with Sting? Apparently, um, um, he's going to be in some matches, but I doubt he's going to take any bumps. Nothing well, on the other side of 60. Mm-hmm. The most bump he's going to take is maybe if he's doing like his reverse DDT on somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Scorpion Death Drop. Scorpion or if he has drop. that match that Jericho teased with him, or he'll take a Judas effect and just fall down. 
Yeah, that's true. I don't, I'm not expecting him to take any crazy like table spots or like diving out of the ring or anything these days. Like, <laughs> better not book him like that. <laughs> yeah. He's 61. Like, yeah, I know. And he does, and he's had neck surgery, he's a surgically repaired neck. So, <laughs> and yeah. he's not Terry Funk at 73. So, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah like, I would hope he wouldn't be able or be taking any extreme spots and like I would suspect AEW would be respectful of that like <laughs> not not wanting to put him in that situation where he could potentially get hurt again like he did in WWE yeah let's give him a buckle bomb yeah <sighs> well, well Seth Rollins or sorry uh, Sting doesn't blame Seth Rollins or the company for that too because he said outright that he was willing to, willing to take it oh, and that was okay. partly, partly his fault so yeah, well, that's just ego. That's just, and we all have it. You know, I'm not going to blame Sting for it. There's, we've all, I've done stuff, okay, that I shouldn't have done because it's like, ah, oh, I can do it, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's just that's just my ego, and everyone has one, you know. We've all done dumb things for sure. Of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For we all think our body's going to remain the way it was when we were 25. Forever. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, and I have to remind myself of that every once in a while. Um, I could, de- I think, like you, if you can't find anything for Sting to do, like you definitely shouldn't be a booker. I like the idea of maybe using him, like as an enforcer. You know, Absolutely. like when when the when the heels start getting out of hand, and every once in a while, Sting has to show up with the baseball bat. Yeah, you know. for sure. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Like he should be like an enforcer, like a guy that just like like yeah, a guy that comes in to keep people in check whenever right. things right. get out, like, a little too out of line. You know, give him a special guest referee every once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, that certainly wouldn't hurt. And like, and use him to help get other talent over. I'm not saying, you know, get pinned in a match. Or anything, but um, like there's 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 things you can do, like acting like a mentor to a guy like Darby Allen, like kind of being a manager, like the way Tully Blanchard is to FTR and all that. I think just maybe by the fact that maybe Sting is physically bigger than a guy like Allen mm-hmm. still, but I I think that's really nitpicking. Yeah, but it, it does kind of seem like they're building towards something between him and Cody. Mm-hmm. Cuz like uh, two two weeks ago when he came out and he did this big inter- in-ring interview, he kind of like did that side hug to Cody and just said like see you around kid or see you soon kid. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, when Team Taz came out to try and confront Cody and then Sting just shows up on the other comes out the other entrance way and just like kind of stares him down and Taz is like telling everybody to back off and then he looks at Cody in the ring and gives him a wink. And then walks back. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Sting will eventually. Oh, who knows? Maybe he'll turn heel and uh, go oh. after Coach. <laughs> oh, no, that's the absolute worst thing you can do is turn Sting. Oh, maybe but, Cody will turn heel. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, that's I. I could kind of see that. Do you guys? Remember how you first discovered Sting? Uh, yes, I was in middle school, uh, grade seven or eight, uh, okay. when I started 
yeah, when I started to get into wrestling. Um, yeah, I just uh, remember just yeah a bunch of the guys at school talking. Oh yeah, it's the Sting, this guy, and I was like, he was he was like well into his crow gimmick at that. Oh point. okay, so it was during the Monday Night Wars. Yes, exactly, and this was like after the whole thing went down with Hogan and uh, Bret Hart at Starcade. I didn't oh. really know anything about wrestling politics back then. Right. But, but yeah, I just knew Sting had this awesome look and this awesome presence. And, uh, yeah, like the NWO was in full swing. The Wolfpack was a thing, all that stuff. And like the, the, the talk around the talk around the classroom was like, where's Sting going to go? Is he going to go with, with the NWO Hollywood? Is he gonna, or is he going to go with the Wolfpack? Because at the time like, he was still a baby face, but he was mm-hmm. uh, tag team champions with, uh, with the giant. Oh, okay. who was who was a part of NWO Hollywood. So then that yeah that one episode of Nitro came where he came into the ring and he took off his took off his uh his trench coat and he had the NWO uh black and white shirt on and they all rejoiced and yeah, he like goes to hug a uh, giant and then goes to hug Hulk Hogan and then he body slams Hulk Hogan or no sorry uh clotheslines Hulk Hogan and then he body slams uh, the giant which who is twice his size mm-hmm. for those and then yeah then after that he rips off the the black and white t-shirt to reveal that he was part of the wolf pack and then he started wearing the the red and black makeup which i thought right. was fucking badass <laughs> yeah then from there he yeah he he did his run with the wolf pack and then uh went back to his crow gimmick after that after mm-hmm. he uh, went out with a injury after red or i'm not to this day i'm not sure if it was kayfabe or legit but yeah, he was written off TV for quite a while, and then he came back as this crow gimmick, and that's how he well, pretty much still is. And he's he's, yeah. he's kind of a couple gimmicks here and there, but he always kind of he always tends to go back to being the black and white uh, makeup thing, the crow sting. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, dude? Do you remember the whys and wherefores? How old you were? What you were watching when you first saw I... Sting? don't remember how old I was. Probably like six. Oh, okay. And just watching WCW. I just went and checked if Sting came here for that WCW show, and no, he was not here. Okay, so then... I have the card in front of me. The card was Prince Iakea versus Billy Kidman. Big Ron versus Mike Rotunda. Brian Nobbs and Fit Finley against Norman Smiley and The Wall. Buff Bagwell versus Kurt Henning. Jeff Jarrett versus Vampiro. And Sid Vicious versus Lex Luger. Okay. So nothing. So, yeah. So no, I don't remember Sting, Sting was advertised for that show, but yeah. Yeah, because the main event was supposed to be like Vicious and Sting for the title, and then Sting didn't show up. Yeah. I remember and hearing it about... it changed to like... Vicious and DDP, and then DDP didn't show up, so it was Luger. Oh, third choice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then that means Sting has only been in Winnipeg once, which we'll kind of get to a little a little bit later. Um, my first discovery with Sting, and this will come as absolutely no surprise to you guys. I gotta hit the washroom real quick, so I'm just gonna mute myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> This will be no surprise. Um, I remember Sting as a rook. Okay, oh, yeah. not not 
Okay, and I guess this was about 1985, I guess. I never actually saw him on TV or anything, but the very first year, Sting was involved in the territories, I think starting out in Memphis and then kind of moving on to the Mid-South territory. Sting was in a tag team with a guy named Rock. Which was eventually became the ultimate warrior. And apparently, like I'd never actually seen the Blade Runners, they were called. I never I never actually saw them wrestling at the time because we didn't because this is pre-internet and we didn't get any Memphis stuff up here. Um, but yeah, apparently even back then people were saying, Okay, well, this sting, the blonde guy has potential. This rock guy, huh? I don't really see this guy going anywhere. <laughs> and all that. Well, they, and a, initially, yeah. they were the, the, the that that team was like a, a face tag team, but the Memphis crowd didn't like take too kindly to them, so they turned them. Ended up turning them heel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which was probably you know worked 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 out best. The first time that I had ever seen Sting like wrestling was, of course, on TV. The Mid-South had changed over to the Universal Wrestling Federation and kind of expanded their syndicated shows. And we started, we were getting the UWF up here for a couple years. And that was the first time that I saw Sting and they had, they, they had just turned him face away okay. from Eddie Gilbert's. And all that, so I finally I'm able to see what this 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 big sting, you know, that I've only been reading about in what we were what we called the Aptor magazines. Bill Aptor was editing a whole bunch of these kayfabe magazines: Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Inside Wrestling, The mm. Wrestler, Sports Review, Wrestling, Wrestling 19, whatever. Those were periodicals and all that. This was when I was buying four or five different wrestling magazines a month. You know, right. So I had, I had, I had access, some knowledge of all of this, but it really wasn't, you know, until we got, you know, we started getting the Universal Wrestling Federation up here, and you saw the potential. Okay, he still wasn't much of a promo, but he didn't have to be. He he was just all energy. Right. And uh, he, you know, he had partners that were doing the talking, you know, good, good or bad. And like those were the formative years of Sting. And like I saw, I saw, I, I saw the potential and, you know, that was the best, one of the best reasons to tune in to the UWF. Although like UWF as a whole, Okay, for those few years, and from that moment that they went from mid south to when Turner had, or when Crockett bought them up and absorbed them, you know, into the NWA, like that was that was the best thing going. Like I can't, I can't urge you enough to go out on YouTube. Like there are actual full shows on YouTube of the old of the old Universal Wrestling Federation, like when they had the Freebirds and Sting and Eddie Gilbert, Ted DiBiase, Steve Williams. It was it was absolutely amazing. Is he back yet? Holy jeez. No. 
No, he's not. <laughs> As I opened my door, is he there back you yet? Are. Is he back yet? There you are. Yeah, I was making a drink too. There we go. Okay, um, that's that's understandable. That's yeah, a, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just, I was just. It's whiskey o'clock. There we are. <laughs> what, ten thirty at night. Whiskey o'clock. <laughs> yep. <laughs> On a Monday. Oh wait, you don't work. Right. I'm not working yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, right. Plus, my sleep schedule's so fucked that I don't fall asleep till 5 a.m. So, what's a 10:30 fucking whiskey? Oh, so you wake up when I go to work? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just I was just sharing where um, how I first saw Sting, and okay. of course, no surprise. It was when he when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen every I've follow, been following Sting since 1985. You know, in every federation, I could not. I can't imagine life, like pro wrestling world, world without Sting. Like it's, I can't fathom it. We had just talked that Sting has only been in Winnipeg once, apparently one 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 time. The one time in the modern era that the NWA made their way up to Winnipeg in the old barn in the old Winnipeg arena. I want to say Flair was NWA world champion. Barry Windham was the United States champion. Um, the Blanchard and Arndt and Anderson just dropped the W the, uh, the NWA titles to the midnight express. And then they had, debuted just after that in the WWF as the Brain Busters. I guess this would be about 88, I want to okay. say. I want to say that was, yeah, yeah, that was when the Horsemen, right before the, um, right before Blanchard and Anderson left, that was the best incarnation of the Horsemen. Four Horsemen, four belts. And Wyndham was absolutely amazing. The one time that we saw Sting in the WWF, Barry Wyndham was defending the NWA US title against Sting. And I, I was pretty sure, okay, you wanted to believe, although I was a Wyndham fan, okay, and I, st- and I still am, but uh, there was a part of me that just, I want to see an NWA title change hands. You know what I mean? I want to be there like this. This was if you're a you know a dyed in the wool wrestling fan, and there was a there was you think you know Ducky when you're when you were talking about the guy that didn't know who Moxley was, it was really bad in the eighties. Okay, about re- WWF fans not knowing anything about it's anyone. also the guy beside me too was the same guy at first he's like oh yeah wwe discovered this great aj styles guy that trained him i'm oh. like okay one <laughs> yeah one, you're done you. yeah you're done AJ has you're... been wrestling since the early 2000s and he was in wcw so shut the fuck up okay <laughs> now <laughs> picture that guy but everybody except for a small handful of us i want to hit that that's what it was like <laughs> that's what it was like in winnipeg when the wwf took over the old barn and the AWA was on its way out. That's exactly what it was like. So that part of me, although I was cheering for Barry Windham, it's like, yeah, imagine if they changed the title here just to keep things fresh. 
keep fans on their toes and all that. Imagine if Sting won his first U.S. title, you know, here. That would have been absolutely, absolutely amazing. Do you guys have a favorite Sting match? I have a couple. Okay, cool. Right on. Yeah. my favorite from when I was like, for like from when I was alive, or or when I was watching wrestling, I should say, <laughs> right? Even when I was alive, it's a, yeah. But in the it was a at Starcade, the very same Starcade where uh, in '98 where uh, Kevin Nash beat Goldberg's undefeated streak. Oh. It was Wolf. Yeah, it was Wolfpack <laughs> Sting. <laughs> it was Wolfpack Sting versus uh, Bret Hart for the United States Championship. Now, this would be Sting's last match as a member of the Wolfpack, like I said, right. when he yeah, when he took his little sabbatical there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was, being that I was just such a big fan of Sting and also Bret Hart, knowing that he was a Canadian boy and that all that shit that happened in Montreal, like, obviously, this, like, this match, like, was going to be amazing, no matter what. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. the guys with a similar finishing move going head-to-head for, like, like one of the more prestigious titles in all of wrestling at the time. And yeah, of course, like this, the, the, the match ended up like uh, Bret Hart ended up winning, of course, but uh, yeah, it ended up with sting taking a baseball bat to the leg and then going on, <laughs> going on a hiatus and then eventually coming back as the crow sting. But like just the, the fact that these two were squaring off on such a big stage for such a, prestigious title was like it had it had star power it had drawing power and like it doesn't even matter if the match sucked you would still think it was amazing because mm-hmm. just because the names involved and the stakes involved and being that it was on starcade obviously it was going to be fucking great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. definitely definitely yeah bro yeah, so going my other match uh that i really liked was from 1991 uh, from Super Brawl, it was staying Lex Luthor. Uh, staying Lex, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that in itself is a whole other discussion. The first time I heard Lex Luger, it's like, oh, really? It was right. uh, so it was staying Lex Luger versus the Steiner Brothers for the WCW Tag Team Championships. Ah, yes, right. It was it was it was a babyface versus babyface match, but this match was booked perfectly mm-hmm. for for a babyface versus babyface match. But yeah, like this in this match Sting and Luger actually won the tag team titles from the Steiner brothers and uh but I think this is like in the midst of Luger turning heel, so there's kind of that little intrigue in there a little bit. Okay. But, but yeah, this was back when the Steiner brothers were both both like amazing wrestlers, especially Scott Steiner, which like if you're more familiar with his big pop a pump gimmick, you wouldn't really like know that he was ever an amazing wrestler yeah uh-huh but yeah and like the early wcw and like even the early days of uh monday night raw on wwf like scott steiner was fucking good oh, <laughs> he was, was just, mm-hmm. steiners were amazing yeah they were and but yeah but like if you're just going off their later like dying days of wcw gimmicks you would never know it because like they 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 were able to talk on the mic, but going in ring when when uh, Scott Steiner became Big Papa Pump, he lost all of his mobility. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was he was all all all, all show and no go. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, as as Steiner was. Remember I, when he I sicked just, a tiger on Sting? Did he actually stick a tiger? Oh, really? Uh, I know he had well, a tiger. Oh, it was dogs, tiger. right. It was dogs, not a tiger. Yeah, he sicked oh. the, yeah, <laughs> the dogs on Sting. He, he did have a tiger backstage at the WCW event that almost uh, clawed out Rey Mysterio's eye. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, ah. Oh, the wrestling universe at work there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it would have been funny Seth, during that storyline. It would have yeah. been funny during that storyline if Seth was like, Steiner's Tiger should have done that back at WCW. <laughs> yeah. Now, when that happened, I'm sure young Seth Rollins felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I will have a I will have a gimmick match with this man one day. <laughs> Or his ping pong will get pulled out of his eye. <laughs> but yeah, those are my two favorite uh, Sting matches that I can think of. Uh, okay, what about you, dude? You got a, a fave Sting match? Uh, it wasn't a lot, but uh, Sting winning the NWA title from Ric Flair and Great American Bash 1990. Right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And that then was... also... Sting versus Flair at World War Three in '95. All right. Okay, that was, I guess, was that for WCW World Title yeah. or? I think so. Okay. I remember. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. It was, it was his. It was Sting's angle with Flair. Flair put Sting on the map. Okay, of course, yeah, yeah, and it was the very first Clash of the Champions, nineteen eighty-eight, and that whole card, the the whys and wherefores, and the reasons behind Clash of the Champions is a is a whole other is a whole other conversation. But probably the thing that people will remember the most from the card was the time limit draw that Sting and Flair had. And you knew, okay, this is it. Like this, this thing is the real deal. Oh, and, and been, also from Halloween yeah. Havoc 1989, Flair and Sting against Great Buddha and Terry Funk. Yeah, actually, yeah, there was that time in the NWA or around that time where they were kind of taking a hit. And I don't know why, because they brought Moody in, Terry Funk, and Flair was a Flair was uh Flair was a face, Sting was on fire. It was absolutely amazing. That was um right right after those three awesome matches between Flair and Steamboat mm-hmm. as well. That the when WCW whole... had that really weird cage set up. Oh, okay. <laughs> For which one? Well, just their cage in general at the time was weird. Oh, it was like different from WWF. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you guys have a favorite Sting? There have been very, there have been a few incarnations of Sting over the years. I, I don't even think anyone really cares too much about Blade Runner Sting, but you started to see. You know, the emergence of Surfer staying in the UWF and then into the NWA. You had the Crow. Mm-hmm. The jo- you had the Joker staying in TNA. And now I 
don't know what I guess he's back to the crow. Do you guys kind of have a favorite? Yeah, my favorite was always the Wolfpack Sting. Just like, I don't know, just based on the way he looked. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just loved the, like the the red and the black combination that he had. It just looked so badass on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the the character himself, that was kind of like a it was like a combination of the Crow Sting and like the Surfer Sting, all right. like packaged into one bundle, which I, I thought think, was. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, dude? Uh, I like Crow Sting and WCW. Mm. Yeah, you know what? Me too. I know this is going to surprise you guys. I'm sure you were thinking, okay, obviously Snowy's going, you know, for Surfer Sting back in the day and all that. You could not book an angle better, you know, than sting versus the nwo because it was not only that but it was sting versus wcw as well who is he with yeah who they can't can you trust sting can sting trust anyone in wcw and because it was sting versus wcw kind of on the side the nwo the nwo was able to build power and able you know because sting was elsewhere right okay Right. And that whole time, Crow Sting was created and being built. Yeah, like he didn't say an entire word for a whole year. I, think I was, was just about to say that, dude. He never yeah. said a word. Yeah. Okay, here's a guy that can talk. You want to talk long term booking, too. Like. Right on. Exactly. That was going to be my next point long term booking that captures the imagination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that 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 died. That died with with Vince Russo. Like, yeah, well, yeah. In, in in the short term, yeah, Wolfpack Sting <laughs> with the whole new look and the new attitude and being a part of the NWO and the whole red and black combination, which I've always been a fan of. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what sparked my love for the red and black color combination. Who knows? There you go. It could <laughs> it very very well could have been. You yeah, know? but it, yeah. but in the long term, though, yes, Crow Sting was like that angle. You couldn't do something like that today because people just don't have the attention span to to be, get uh, emotionally invested in something like that. Now. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's just the society that, and it's not just wrestling. It's 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 other forms of enter- entertainment as well. That's why the music industry is on its ear and all yeah, that. Even, no one, no one wants to take time to listen to an entire album. No one wants even, to yeah. take you know, even in. Uh, even in terms of all forms of media, all forms of entertainment, people are just so used to instant gratification, getting an entire series or entire season of a TV show given to them all at once. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The the days of long-term booking, sad to say, or long gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was that long-term booking that, that had me every <laughs> week, every week. And yeah. that was in the, that was when the internet was in its infancy when that whole thing mm-hmm. was yeah, so there was no spoilers. There was no dirt sheets. There was no <laughs> no podcasts like this one on the Shining Wizards. <laughs> yeah, not, not even no, not even the Shining Wizards were around yeah. back then. Um, it's just about that time. I think we've kind of yapped enough, but I do want to say um, the whole Undertaker thing. 
Okay, there was uh, there was a time maybe about five years ago where the whole talk in the wrestling world was, what about bringing Sting in for an Undertaker match at WrestleMania? Is Sting available? What what kind? This is this is the the only dream match we've never seen. Sting versus the Undertaker. Sting Undertaker. Sting Undertaker. That's that's all you that that's all you heard. Okay. Yep. Do you during that whole period about five years ago when the Undertaker could still go, Sting Sting could go as well. Did did that match have your attention? The the idea the idea of that match. Absolutely. I would have like when Sting showed up at uh, Survivor Series in uh, 2014. I thought for sure that's where they were going to go with uh, the following WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they ended up going with Sting versus Triple H. <laughs> so, uh, that yeah. that has Andy Vince telling the announcers to bury Sting the whole match. Yeah, that like, recently even, came up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the whole, the entire angle of Sting versus the Authority had nothing to do with WWE versus WCW, that's what they made that entire match about at WrestleMania. Like they made their entrances, and then in the middle of the match, DX comes out to help help Triple H. Kind of makes sense. But then the NWO comes out to help Sting, a faction who he, yeah, yeah, right. Like the NWO comes out to help Sting, a faction who he had. Fun and then Hogan that. took a bump. <laughs> yeah, Hogan took that one bump. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Sting had fought against that NWO. That's right. I kind of, I forgot about that WrestleMania moment when yeah when they did that, and I was scratching my head. Yeah, I was watching it with Ducky at his place, and I was scratching my head about that. Why is the NWO? How is this Sting related? Yeah, we were just like, this was really, this is really cool, but it doesn't make sense. Not, yeah. not, not at all. Not at all. It was, yeah. it was meant for a cheap pop, and then, and then of course Triple H beat Sting, and then it was like, oh well, that's just Vince McMahon stroking his ego, being like, this is the final nail in the coffin of the WWF beating WCW. <laughs> yeah, for a federation that died twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah we're gonna show it. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's it's not even a dead horse, Vince. It's yeah. it's it's disintegrated and it's dust. Well, it's like yeah. even what what has come out of Sting was pitching ideas for a cinematic match with Taker, and Vince was like, "No, no one wants to see that." Um, you dumbass. Uh, the, money the you would have made. Yeah, yeah. the world wanted to see hundreds that. of thousands of dollars from that. Yeah, the All world like fuck, like they're like. Uh, the, I, like I, I should have expected it. I should have expected it because, like, at the beginning of the match when Sting was making his entrance, JBL or someone pointed out he's uh, something about Starcade, and JBL said, "But this ain't Starcade. This is WrestleMania." And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Sorry, but Starcade was the granddaddy of them all. And yeah. they were they were calling that for years before the WWF had adopted that expression. So once again, I think we're all uh, pretty excited about the stinger. Okay, guys, I think it's that time to bring this crazy train into the station. That was awesome. 
I'm as you can probably tell, I I really dig when I get a chance to be able to talk about the old times and yeah. all that. But so thank you for Sting's WCW or sorry Sting's AEW run. It was better than his WWE run. Oh, that's right. It could yeah. only yeah yeah. How can uh, people get a hold of us? They can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wrestling night in Canada or on Instagram at wrestling night in Canada. Right on, right on. And of course, wrestling night in Canada is proud members of the shining wizards network, shining wizards network.com. If you're checking us out through some other, cause we're pretty much available on all other podcast aggregators. If you're checking us out on one of those, Go to shiningwizards.com, check us out there, as well, a whole myriad of other awesome podcasts. It's predominantly a pro wrestling network, but there's various different, there's comedy, there's pop culture, there's the wonderful world of heavy metal, where you can Mm -hmm. find my other program, uh, Radioactive Metal, in case you haven't had enough of your cool Uncle Snowy, you can check that out as well. Um, In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruka. Signing off. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, you idiots. <laughs>